away. Freeman out well. A mighty roar surrounds the stadium. Graham's gone out really hard to Guevara. Freeman going strongly up to almost halfway. Graham's in front of her. Freeman's got work to do here. Takes the lead. Looks a winner. Draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory. What a legend. Kathy Freeman winning the 400-metre final at the 2000 Olympic Games was a moment that still gives me goosebumps all these years on. In less than a minute, the Indigenous Australian legend unified not only our country but the world. Fans were mesmerised, brought to tears and elated for reasons that went beyond the accolades of golden glory. In sport, we become the story. Fans engage on the other side of the fence and ride the storyline of the contests in a manner that's largely unparalleled anywhere else in the world. For the privileged few who get to tell those stories as they unfold before us, potentially with billions of people watching on around the world, how it's told can shape or in some cases ruin the moment. And when it came to letting the action speak louder than words, there was one undisputed king of the commentary box. Oh, what a ripper! And gone. That light roller would have about as much of an effect as a couple of koala bears doing the part of deux. Two for 22, New Zealand. It's two for two, two, two. Australian cricket commentator Richie Benno said, The key thing was to learn the value of the economy of words and to never insult the viewer by telling them what they can already see. In fact, those words still ring true and have even more potency to this day. Data tracking capabilities now mean that more than 2,000 pieces of information sent from a device attached to an athlete can be transferred per second, tracking every micro-movement, heartbeat, body temperature, biorhythm, the list is almost literally endless. But now, with so much data available, broadcasters and sporting leagues are faced with an embarrassment of riches. They literally have so much information that the challenge now is how do they digest it and then repurpose it to tell the story behind the story live to the fans? Well... How do we, as businesses and brands, commentate our own game plan? How do we take all that information in our own arena and make something meaningful for our friends, our fans and future customers? What content coaching tips can we execute to make sure it's us that's first to the finish line? Well, over the next 20 minutes, we're going to explore the exciting topic of storytelling in sport. So if you're ready to set your strategy and run your plays, get strapped in, saddle up, and let's roll. Hello listeners, you've landed back in brand storytelling land for the podcast that speaks to the best in the business from content marketing and brand publishing. The show is made possible by Newsmoto, the world's leading brand newsroom, and if you want to hear how you too can leverage a network of 25,000 journalists and storytellers, drop the team a line at newsmoto.com. Our guest today is on the front line of digital media and publishing. He's been a sports journalist and editor at News Limited, and now he's moved across to Cricket Australia to head up their digital content team. His name's Finn Bradshaw and he joins me now. Finn, welcome to Brand Storytelling. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and one that I've been looking forward to for a while. Now tell us about your role at Cricket Australia for the uninitiated. So my title is Head of Digital and that means different things in different organisations but for us that means I'm in charge or my team is responsible for both the technology and the content of all our fan-facing digital products. So 
mainly that's our, our websites and our apps. Um, and mm-hmm. where this is a bit different to some other sporting organisations is we're actually responsible for everything from grassroots right through the elite level. So if you're a grassroots cricketer, you use our product, My Cricket, to find out where you're playing on the weekend or you know your scores of previous weekends, right through to yeah. cricket.com.au, which is our big fan-facing competitor to Fox Sports, ESPN, things like that. So it's the whole gamut. And what I love about your experience is you've actually come from a publishing background. So tell us a little bit about that, your time as the digital editor at News Corp, and then how you've evolved into what you're doing now. Yeah, so I, I studied journalism, for what that's worth, and it was a journalist. It's worth a lot. It's worth a lot here. <laughs> oh, well, I think the experience of working as a journalist is worth a lot. I'm not sure about the degree. <laughs> then, um, you know, I started off in magazines and um, edited Triple J's magazine for a couple of years, um, and then ended up, yeah, in digital sport, first the Herald Sun, and then my last role there was running the team that did all the digital sports content for all the News Limited mastheads in Australia or News Corp mastheads in Australia and, and Fox Sports. Um, and Cricket Australia had made the strategic decision that they wanted to start their own media company like AFL has done and overseas, mm-hmm. obviously MLB and NBA have been very successful in that area. Um, so they, they wanted someone who knew how to build an editorial team first and foremost with some experience around the technology side of things. But you know, they, they knew that they could build the best app in the world, but if you didn't have really compelling content to put inside it, yeah. it wasn't going to work. So um, yeah, I think the thing that kind of got me over the line here was my experience in building those digital teams, You because know, we had about yeah. a team of around 35 journos, I think, working on it at News Corp. Um, and so, you know, the the thing we needed to do was bring credibility. So for them hiring someone from News Corp and, you know, the journos I hired in that first round were people from The Australian, from Fox Sports, from The Guardian. You know, we really made an effort to um, recruit people who had reported outside of the context of a sporting organisation and was going to bring that news value um, to the reporting here because, you know... We'll, the promise we make to the fans is that we won't sugarcoat things, we won't whitewash issues. So it's always been that element of storytelling that's really driven your career. Was it exciting for you to be able to apply that throughout the various roles that you've had and then move across to essentially what is branded content at Cricket Australia? Yeah, we like to think, you know, it's interesting, branded content can sometimes sort of feel as though the brand gets to dictate what's in there and, you know, as you Mm. would know the best brands understand that's not the case at all um but you know we do now a range of content here from stuff we produce for our partners like optus Qantas, cba Boopa, people like that um mm. and you know we have the, the the content that works the best toyota is another one um is the one where we're producing content that we know our fans will like that's aligned to the brand objectives the brand's objectives the worst yeah. stuff is where you get a brief which is basically, and you must mention the brand every 10 seconds or, you know, you must have <laughs> the product placed in every shot um, and that usually doesn't end up working for anyone other than the people who get paid to produce it. Um, so, you know, so here we sort of have a fairly, even in my team, we have a clear definition between the reporters and um, camera people who are just there reporting the news around the world and the people who sure. are working on branded content such as the stuff we do for Optus, um, even though they report into the same person, a uh, head of content, you know, it's, um, 
you know, I think it's really important from a, a reporter's point of view to understand, you know, what the ultimate objective is. Is it to get the news out best first um, for the fans or is it to work in with brands? And so mm. we try and make the delineation quite clear. Yeah, it's such an interesting dichotomy and one that we have in terms of a conversation with our clients every single day. How do you apply that editorial lens when it comes to commercial conversations, Finn? Well... We, you know, when we started here, um, you know, when it came to like Nielsen rankings, we didn't, you know, our site barely appeared on them. Um, you know, our Facebook page, you know, might have had a couple of million people on it, but now it's, you know, an average reach is about 8.5 million. Um, you know, in wow. Nielsen, we average more than 2 million a month over the summer, number one sports site in Australia. So, so we can say with great authority that, that we know what fans want. And we know, you know, what resonates with our fans, and we and we know what will um, be treated with suspicion by a fan. So, so the lesson there is just to just to say is audience first. Is that your your <laughs> yeah, mantra? Right. I mean, that's the mantra of all digital, right? But yeah, yeah. You, and so you have to be quite strong sometimes. And and I mean, I'd say sometimes we've, you know, and I regret this. We probably haven't been strong enough to say we know that won't work, and you know, almost we, we would rather walk away from this business. Than, than mm. take that job and do something that we know won't work for our fans and most importantly in that case, you know, won't deliver on the, the brand's objectives. But, um, you know, that, that, that's always tricky in a commercial organisation. One of the things that you mentioned were the various platforms in which you're publishing and the one that stands out for me is the really awesome Cricket Australia app. That came about, I guess, a few years back from memory and I've subscribed to it and I must confess I love it over the summer not sure my wife loves it as much as I do because you definitely get to consume a lot of cricket the BBL and so on over those hot months but how's it performed for you and, and where next for, for the cricket I was at? Yeah that, that's probably one of the areas I'm proudest of um, previously Vodafone had done the, the cricket app and it was mm-hmm. called the Vodafone cricket app and it was red you know no one connected it with Cricket Australia so when that um, that relationship ended before I started, but we built this from the ground up. Um, we released version 2.0 this year, which I you know think I'm really happy with the the design. Finally, um, you know we actually won a, a global award. But um, the fantastic the congratulations! Most imp- yeah, thanks. But the most important thing is the engagement keeps going up, right? Um, and you know, you know, with an app, you're always in that battle to sort of get in that top six apps that most people use. Now, we don't expect that to be over the, the winter as much, but over summer, we absolutely want to be one of those six apps. And um, I think, you know, we're, we're close to a 2 million people engaged with it over the last 12 months, um, wow. which I think would put it, you know, among the top sports apps in Australia. Probably AFL might be a bit ahead of that. And is that primarily, I was going to say, Australia? Yeah, I, I yeah it's all it it's like 90%. 8% Australian. Yeah. We're actually available in the app store around the world, but a lot of our video is geo-blocked outside of Australia, mm. so that's mm. sort of being our key proposition, and the app is built around getting people to video content yeah. as quickly as possible, so if you're a user in India, you're not getting really the, the best experience. I noticed recently that the AFL Live Pass app has also just put out an ad, an advertising campaign where there's a bunch of girls sitting in the stands, they're watching a footy game, and one of them is literally <laughs> looking at the app, and she says, oh, this player's going to miss the kick for goal. Where are we at with fan engagement with these things? Yeah, yeah, I think that was at Fox Sports. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I know the, um, the, the ad you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, we're... The, the sort of app match engagement piece is something that 
people have spoken about with me from the moment I started here. And for us as a business, you know, really the the we want to invest our money in that in somewhere that's going to have a tangible difference. So, will that technology either um, change someone from deciding not to buy a ticket to buying a ticket, or at the ground will it, you know, significantly improve their experience at the game? Um, so this summer we're doing a piece of research around, you know, basically what are the pain points for people? You know, so I actually think mm. probably where technology will have a greater impact for people will be things like, you know, if I want to get home by 11 because I want to get the kids in bed by 11, what time do I need to leave the stadium? Or, you know, what gate do I... What train should I catch to the stadium that's going to get me closest to the gate um, that I need to go into? Or, you know, I don't want to buy the the type of food that's being sold here, show me <laughs> what other, you know, because we, we now do things like where there's stalls that have um, Indian food, healthy food and, healthy and, food things, and things yeah. like that. Um, and, you know, but if you... So it's enhancing the experience beyond the boundary. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not so we might not do the sort of augmented reality kind of stuff, but I, mm. my gut tells me that's not going to be the stuff that really shifts the needle for people in terms of them walking out there and going... Geez, that was a good experience. Because, you know, for me, I feel like my mandate here as head of digital is how can I use technology to improve people's interactions with cricket? And that can be whether they're on the tram because they want to catch up on the score, but, you know, also we've just launched a huge project about redoing all the grassroots products, and that's about if you're the volunteer down at the club who has to run the club, how can we use technology to make your life easier? Because we want those guys spending more time helping people learn how to play the game or mm. you know, or doing other more enjoyable things than the mundane um, admin of running a club. And now that's not such a sexy product, but it's actually going to put you know thousands of hours back into the lives of our volunteers. Absolutely. And so yeah. that's more meaningful for me than, you know, Everyone sort of talks about, well, why don't you do a VR that enables people to um, learn how to face shame worn? Well, that's really nice. But, you know, if we're actually talking about improving people's lives, you know, let's do this, the important stuff first, and then we'll get on to the the really sexy stuff. Yeah, and we're going to get on to that a little later in the show. But before we do, I just wanted to ask you about the BBL, because it's going from strength to Mm. strength, and we're seeing the globalisation of that game in particular with, um, I think it was NBC picking up some some games for next year, Um, and, you know, the capability to watch that internationally. How is that positioning cricket as a sport, particularly coming out of Australia um, for the years ahead? Yeah, the BBL's been um, a huge strategic achievement for the CA, and I'm I'm happy saying that because I've had nothing to do with... um, it's instigation. It's Anthony Everard and his team who, who rolled it out. Um, but the CA, you know, acknowledged that we had an issue with um, our crowds. We weren't attracting younger people. We weren't attracting new, more women to the game. And so they, rather than sort of going, oh, well, let's just do a different marketing campaign, they thought, well, why don't we create a product that's attractive to that audience? You know, actually thought about it in product terms. And so, you know, you look at Big Bash, it's really focused yeah. on the entertainment side of things. You know, it positions itself as a summer entertainment option, not as a form of cricket. And so last year, I think more than a million people attended a Big Bash game, and 30% of those, that was the first time they'd ever attended an elite form of cricket. And, you know, that's an ex- extraordinary achievement, I think. Unbelievable so numbers. Yeah. Ab- so it's actually bringing incremental audience. You know, we're not just shifting people from one day to 
to Big Bash to actually bring that new audience in through the gate. Then the next challenge is how do we make them rusted on hardcore cricket fans? Yeah. But that's not something that will happen overnight. But it's not far away. Um, we, we are going to dive into the topic of storytelling in sport and transposing all that information that goes on within the sporting arena into something meaningful for the audience to consume, whether they're on the tram or at home. Mm. But before we do, Finn, I'd like to throw you in the hot seat <laughs> for a little section I call the Mad Minute. So do you think you're up for this? We've got 60 seconds on the clock, and if you are, I've got... <coughs> Let me just limber Just up. limber up there, buddy, and, um, and I'll throw these quick-fire questions at you. I'm just looking for some short, sharp answers because we've got 10 questions and 60 seconds on the clock. Finn, your time starts now with question number one. The best cricket performance you've ever witnessed? Um, even though it was a losing series, when Australia lost the Ashes in 2005 and Shane Warne took 40-odd wickets, and for a guy who was sometimes lambasted as putting more effort into off the field than on the field, Warne really showed just how much playing for Australia meant for him. He loves his content too, and his content <laughs> marketing with his social media. Question number two, why do you love working at Cricket Australia? The, the sense that he's part of something bigger, um, after coming from broader media, to come here where really at the heart of our job is helping people love cricket more um, and to be part of a larger community, um, it, it's, actually, it's hard to kind of describe how that makes you feel when you come to work each day, but... It's quite extraordinary. Question three, broadcasting in the future will be? It's going to be getting people closer to the game than even even more than they are now. That, that, that's at the heart of all great broadcasting is how do you take people inside the game more? So it's, you know, technology solving that. Question four, what's your favourite social channel? I actually still love Twitter. <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to be apologetic. It's not, <laughs> like, like, a, <laughs> it's not like it's a crime I, to love Twitter. It's funny how fast things are moving though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I get why people love Snapchat and, and Instagram, but yeah, I think people who are particularly visual... It's just not practical. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, and it's also probably taken me... How long have I been on Twitter? I don't know, seven, eight years or whatever. It's probably taken now until mm. I feel like my feed is curated to a, a point that I love. But it still gives you that sort of breaking news buzz. Maybe that's it. Maybe I've missed that <laughs> buzz from a newsroom. <laughs> Now, Finn, the time on the clock is really starting to run short, so I'm going to sh cut these questions short as well. But I've got two more for you. Your favourite resource, website or book that you can recommend for others out there? I, I'll give a shout-out to, um, to two podcasts, the Recode Media ones. Um, they get great guests and they ask good questions. And um, the long-form podcast series as well. And that is where we're going to stop the clock and end what's been another exciting edition of the Mad Minute. Thanks so much for joining me in the hot seat there, Finn. <laughs> now, let's get on to some serious stuff. We had Mark Howard, who's a BBL yep. commentator, also a featured freelancer with us here at Newsmodo, talking about how the commentary within the sporting arena is such a an interesting game. You know, what to say and when to say it. We know Richie Benno was the king of the commentary box. How do you transpose the stories that happen in cricket out to your audience? Yeah, it's a really interesting game, cricket, because test matches in particular, each day goes for seven hours and then it goes for five days. And so where in other sport, you know, I think a lot of times the written words being completely um, overtaken by highlights, I still think you need someone who's at the ground observing to explain it in writing you know, what's happened during the day's play, because often the highlights don't necessarily tell you, don't tell you the, story, the whole story by any mm. means. So, you know, we invest heavily in always having someone, at least one person, usually two reporters on the road, covering the match. 
Um, but it, but you're right. Like it's all about you know, context is everything in sport, and you know I think it's a challenge cricket has to overcome, particularly around one day. Is is there's so many and a lot of them don't necessarily matter enormously, or we haven't mm. done a good enough job of describing to the the audience why those matches matter. And so you know then it's all the storylines around player progression or um, you know the 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 uh, hurdles that they're trying to overcome and um you can't do that these days you can't do that with just one medium a lot of the time you need to present yeah. you know we we try and have beautifully written stuff but then also you want to pack those stories full of videos that describe to show what what's being described on the other hand you also just need to smash out highlights on social media and <laughs> and keep that narrative moving forward so that when people tune into channel nine we've done a good enough job to keep them up to date so that they're you know they want to go and tune into channel nine you talk about test matches there being up to 35 hours of play in trying to explain that to someone overseas who's never seen the game before and one of the things that strings me along is the data behind the story within the game the records the stats all the information that really is telling that story behind the story we know that 77 percent of people use a second screen whilst watching sports like cricket so clearly there is an opportunity there to transpose, as we spoke about at the recent sports analytics conference, all that data into something meaningful. How do you crunch all those numbers and, and spit out something of, of substance to your fans? Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually a real challenge because cricket has such obtuse records, you know. It'll be the first century by a left-hander at that ground batting second, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it's sort of picking that apart. We... Um, Opta, who's now part of the Perform Group, is our official data supplier. So they play a role in surfacing um, stats to us. We also employ um, uh, a journalist whose main beat is stats. So he um, files a piece at the end of pretty much every day's play over the summer, um, teasing out those things. But then also he just drip feeds the stuff through the day to keep to put out into social media. So. Um, the, one area that's actually quite interesting that we did the last year was we always felt like the official player rankings, the global player rankings, weren't quite right. You know, that they, they often took into account performances that were a fair while ago. So we developed our own BBL player rankings, um, which we'd release each week of, you know, the top batsmen, top bowlers and top all-rounders. And it was our own um, formula that we'd worked up with a statistician from um, a university in Queensland and that helped us keep that narrative going through big, big bash matches so that, you know, even if maybe there's some matches which, you know, were over halfway through the second innings, you know, there was still mm. some meaning around player performances in the, the back end of those matches. Yeah, it's like when you're watching a game of football and you know it's over, but the commentators still find a way yeah. <laughs> to tell the story to keep you lingering well, on to the fourth quarter. Too, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, and, and Supercoach and all of these second screen experiences that are popping up for consumers of the great games to actually engage in new and exciting ways. So take away your editorial hat for a moment and put on your content marketing hat. What can you say to other CMOs and people in the business of creating content that you've learned and that you would recommend that they put into play, whether they be a bank or a university, whatever they might be doing, that can really move the needle when it comes to content for their audience? Yeah, so I'm going to say the initial obvious things. Be really clear on 
what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to measure that. It sounds obvious, but it's amazing how many people don't. Too clear on that. Mm. And then the second thing I'd say is you don't get into content marketing to drive immediate leads. Um, you know, I mean, maybe you can, but I don't think it works best there. I think it, um, you know, I would say one of the publications that's doing content marketing probably the best in Australia is, well, other than ourselves, of course, is Broadsheet. And you find that the content they produce for their brands is still really relevant to the broadsheet audience. So they're not trying to get that square peg in around a hole. Mm. And and I would assume that broadsheet is, takes a really strong lead in, you know, um, laying out what that content plan is going to be and the brands kind of trust them that they're going to, you know, do things. And often you'll read that content and it's it, it's almost not a... You know, it's just it's almost not apparent what the, that there's a sponsorship involved, and I think that's the best stuff where you get, you know, you're bringing the the power of the trust of those content brands mm. um, and helping that audience to maybe discover um, a new side of a brand or a new product, or um, but just starting to just shape the way they feel about that brand, and you shouldn't expect that to happen over the course of a four week campaign. It should almost be a, you know, at least a twelve month kind of. Um, yeah. Journey that that's it's a long go. play, yeah, and you know, because because if you want quick sales leads and stuff like that, I'd I'd reckon there's probably better places to put your money, but mm. but the, if you're trying to reshape, you know, or um, reposition your brand in people's minds, then I think content marketing is hugely powerful. That's a really wonderful answer. When you mention audience participation and it not being necessarily as sexy a topic as let's say the elite level sporting coverage. What are you doing to engage an audience that's perhaps, I guess, out in regional Australia, may not be able to come to a game, may not have the funds to buy the app and, and subscribe to 24-7 coverage? This is similar, I suppose, to some of the challenges of the people listening in who don't have an audience of, let's say, 2 million people <laughs> already subscribing. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, so for us, you know, we, you know, our number one goal is to, maintain cricket as its position as Australia's favourite sport. Um, you know, it's also a sport for all Australians, so, you know, we make sure that um, where possible we have an audio feed so people who, um, you know, um, don't have full sight can still um, enjoy cricket and conversely, um, you know, we, we do everything to help the hearing imp- impaired, um, you know, um, through the stuff we put on our platforms, um, the yeah, the, it would be nice if the NBN was all over Australia because then you know they would we'd be able to solve that issue for a lot of people. Um, but you know, if you follow us on social media, you, you probably won't. You'll be able to probably see vision of everything that matters um, over the summer of cricket. Um, but in terms of like the people who have the smaller audiences, I mean that's where the great like, that's where social media has become so powerful, and they're getting better and better at being able to it'll enable you to target your message, you know, particularly Facebook. Um, so you can find that niche, and I actually think it's quite an exciting time for those sort of niche players um, to work out how to reshape their business, um, you know around talking to really engaged audiences and that's where that integrated content, mm. um, that kind of marketing, you know, will absolutely come to the fore because they're not going to make their money on the back of 
um, you know, just sort of, you know, the, the traditional methods. But, um, you know, I think, like, you know, find that audience, create stuff that's relevant for them and, you, you know, you absolutely be able to make a business of that. Very good points indeed. And as we start to wind down the show, what can we look forward to from yourself and Cricket Australia in the rest of 2016 and the months ahead? Um, yeah, it's a big, uh, big summer for us coming up. Um, you know, for us, the um, the Optus partnership continues to grow, and um, you know, we're producing a whole lot of you know really interesting content there, using their archive and around sort of um, you know that they, they want it sort of to be cricket unexpected is their kind of their mantra and. Yeah, we're really um, looking forward to seeing what we can deliver with them on that. And then for us, it's sort of, you know, we, we're really proud of what we've built in Australia, but we think there's options overseas. And so with deals like the NBC one you mentioned earlier, you know, we're really looking at how do we engage with cricket fans outside of Australia. Um, you know, we've started to um, retain some rights on our platforms that enables us to do that and really sort of go in with a partnership. Mm with our partners like BT Sport in the UK and, you know, really look to engage an Australian cricket audience, you know, in the UK, in the US, um, you know, and right around the world. So, um, you know, the, um, you know, there's no, there's never any time to sort of rest on your laurels here, but it's, um, it's really, it's just an exciting time to be in media. You know, it's, it's terrifying. Um, if you're, if you're rusted on to, traditional delivery methods but if you if you're lucky enough to work somewhere where you are unconstrained about supporting you know um and out you know an old mode of of um of of processes you know then um it never been a better time to be alive. Well, Finn, that's a fantastic way to wrap up what's been another action-packed episode of Brand Storytelling. And fans, if you could please jump onto iTunes and subscribe to the show. And if you liked what you heard, we'd absolutely love it if you could leave us a rating and review. And if you do give us a review, send me or Newsmoto a tweet and let us know. We would just love to hear from you. And thanks again to the team at Newsmoto who make this show possible. If you are looking to tell your brand story and tell it well, drop us a line at newsmoto.com thanks again for listening and we'll catch you all next week